0: I'm Paul Sutton and this is Digital Download, the show where I talk to topic experts on digital marketing, social media and public relations about the things that matter in today's communications industry. Since I last covered developments in social media on this podcast a year ago, a lot has changed. Keeping up with endless platform changes has always been one of the joys of being a social media manager. But 15 years into the life of social media, there are some more fundamental issues that those of us working in digital communications are having to grapple with.
1: The social media giant Meta, which owns Facebook and Instagram, has officially launched its new app, Threads. The app will be linked to Instagram and is widely seen as a potential rival to Twitter. This morning, Twitter announcing that little blue bird is undergoing a transformation as the company transitions to
0: X. An ad-free Facebook and Instagram? According to the New York Times, Meta's thinking about it. Meta's considering paid versions of Facebook and Instagram for users in the European Union that would be ad-free. Developments such as these this year have meant that I've been asked more questions about the overall strategic direction of social media than ever before. And as well as this being unsurprising, it's a good thing. Businesses and agencies are considering the role of social media more deeply now, whereas for a long time it's simply been received wisdom that they should have a social media presence and it should be on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook. Nowadays, I find myself advising companies to close down channels more than I suggest starting new ones. The thing is that user behaviour has changed, and social networks have adapted to reflect this. Think about your own use of social media. How often do you post now compared to a few years ago? I put good money on it being a lot, lot less. And as posting levels have dropped and TikTok started to steal the likes of Meta's thunder, Facebook and Instagram ramped up recommended content. When you hear grandads like me saying that social media is no longer social and that it's not like it was in the good old days, it's not just peering at the past through rose-tinted glasses. What the big announcements in the news this year have done is wake a lot of brands up to these facts. Whereas before many were more or less happy with the perceived status quo, they're now more likely to question whether they're actually getting value from Facebook or whether they really should have a profile on X. The answers are often pretty nuanced and not straightforward. The future of social media is pretty clouded, but understanding what's happening from a macro sense helps to answer some of those micro questions. On today's show, I'm chatting to fellow social media strategist Matt Navarra to compare notes on the big issues. And it's interesting to note that although we agree on a lot of things, our thoughts don't align in all areas but to kick off I asked him what he'd seen evolve in the last 12 months that might have an impact moving forward.
1: I think that we've continued to see in the last year the the, the movement that we've been seeing for the last couple of years which has been expedited by the features that the platforms have implemented and pushed harder on which is this shift away from public feeds and into two things one recommended content in the feeds such as sort of how the feeds are working but also into private social or social that's based around direct messaging or communities and forums and ephemeral content. And if you look across the board, um, particularly if you look at um, Meta, for example, uh, and all of their products, a lot of their product development in the last 12 months has been around broadcast channels, um, sharing to DMs or to your your close friends list. Um, It's about Creating additional functionality around stories, it's ephemeral product, and uh, the the biggest areas of growth for them seem to be that you know in those areas as well. And so I think those for me have been um, significant areas. We've seen further development with that with Snapchat as well. You know, their Snapchat Plus product kind of leans into kind of all of the stuff that people who are using Snapchat for you know conversations, which is what most of the teens use it for. Really, is is where um, the growth area has been. I think the other area. That's been um, continued to expand heavily is is creator economy stuff. So anything that gears is geared up towards addressing monetization for creators and drawing those creators into the platforms. And it, pretty much all of the major platforms have um, refined, enhanced um, their offering to creators, such as TikTok um, with its yeah. creator fund shift. And um, Twitch has had to face backlash for its kind of lack of payments that people are happy with instagram as well they've kind of played with a couple of models in terms of affiliate and didn't work and they've tried some other um, payment systems and bonuses and if you look across all of them you'll start to see that and i think we'll see more of that and i think linkedin will be the next one actually which will start to give creators some payback and twitter's promising it but i'm not so convinced they're going to add <laughs> so much
0: yeah the, the whole creator thing is interesting because um it's interesting you mentioned linkedin that that seems to be pushing creators more and more over the last year uh it's noticeable i wonder whether bearing in mind what you said about you know moving to the sort of more private communities and and messaging things whether public social media will become more more and more creator led over the last over the next I don't know, two, three, five years, whatever. And you'll find that people are actually, you know, normal people in, in inverted commas using it are going to move to the more private stuff. So your feed effectively will be mm-hmm. almost dominated by by creator stuff.
1: Well, I think, you know, most of the, the activity that happens in, in, certainly in my feed, so if I look at Facebook, which I pretty much any open to see family members and what yeah. they share, which I think is what a lot of people do now. But if you look at that feed, um, that is, for me, is dominated by... News, news organisations, because I follow a lot of news. Um, it's my family, and friends, and then the rest of it is is just promotions and ads and creative yeah. stuff. And Instagram, in its main feed, you know, is increasingly becoming m- m- recommended content. Some friends and family stuff, but also. You know sponsored content um and so yes you i think you're right to say that uh, all of these platforms uh, the main feed is serving uh, a very specific purpose and, and i think more individuals like people like me and you well, that's probably not a good example me and you in terms of our jobs but people <laughs> that uh, the, the more normal users regular users of the platforms are spending the time and having those kind of meaningful connections and conversations and, uh, and sort of pushing out content through stories or in their direct messages or in private group chats and, and places like that not exclusively they, you know there is still a lot of the sort of main feed stuff going on but i think you're seeing it dip away and one of the things i always tell clients um with mine is that they should continue to they should start thinking if they're not already thinking like a creator and posting like they're a creator. Get into the mindset of not being a brand, not trying to be necessarily always promoting and selling something. Think about how they can create content and uh, engage in a meaningful way that, um, as if you were a creator. Because if you look at the most successful brands, say, for example, on TikTok, you know, we can talk, think about um, Duolingo is a good example. If you mm. look at things like brands which you wouldn't necessarily traditionally think of being on TikTok, say, Emirates Airlines, you know, very premium, top tier uh, airline. And um, you go on TikTok, you expect to see something similar, which would be bad for them if they did, because it wouldn't probably work. Mm-hmm. No, they've adopted this creator-led sort of style, which is, you know, really leaning into all of the kind of the quirkiness and the the fun and the entertainment value style content that you see on TikTok. And so, yeah, the, the, the tip for brands is all the thinking that brands should be coming up social with now and going forwards is, you know, how can we act and behave like a creator that still feels that horrible word, but authentic?
0: Yeah. It's a big ask though, isn't it? For, for a lot of brands and well, especially, I mean, a lot of the B2B companies that I work with and, and I talk to them about similar sort of things you're saying. And there's a look of horror comes around the room because it, it's so alien to, to a lot of, of brands and, and marketers in general, I think, don't like to think in this way.
1: I think it's um, for, for for certainly for small to medium sized brands that are not haven't got big huge budgets and are not like highly experienced in, in producing you know video content or or in social in general to look at something like say uh, a TikTok or even more recently we we'll, am sure we'll come onto it Threads is quite frightening because they're kind of like what what do we do here how do we come across and um, like. Or, That word again, authentic, but without sounding and looking like we're trying too hard to be young and trendy or something that we're not. And it is very difficult. So the the first stepping stone for many of these businesses, if they're not feeling confident or don't have the capability or capacity to do it, is to start working with creators who are familiar with these platforms, who are experienced in creating this sort of content and can sort of deliver a brief that kind of addresses whatever it is you're trying to achieve, whether it's brand awareness, whether it's conversions of sales of product or whatever it might be as a as a first point to see what would a creator do if they had to be running um, a promotion for our brand on TikTok so I think that's that's a that's kind of the a shortcut to kind of getting over that fear but, um, but you're right it is it can be quite a challenging um, proposition for, for some companies.
0: Mm. Do you think brands should be spending more of their, their budgets working with directly with creators let's call them influencers whatever you want to call them people are creating content on whatever platform it's let, let's let's assume they've done the work and they know what platform they should be on whether their customers are where their clients are do you do you have a feeling that they should be investing more money in partnerships with those sorts of people going forward
1: on a on a broad scale level, you know, in general, yes, I think so because the you know we've seen if you, anyone does any research on this area or works in this industry will see that you know user generated content and influencer creator led content that's is is the is the stuff that does best you know when it's brands talking uh, about themselves to their audiences you compare that and or news organisations sharing news things that they've done for themselves and then compare that with the likes of an influencer or a creator, or even a, a consumer who's kind of enjoyed their product or service. Those. User-generated, created, um, generated pieces of content will always perform, or generally will always outperform anything else, and mm. and that comes down to things like people's level of uh, trust in in uh, in businesses and brands and in news organisations. It comes down to people's belief that they have a, a closer connection and feel more relatable to um, to creators and also to you know consumers who are you know they they assume are not got any inherent bias. So. On that basis you know it would make sense for many brands not all but for many brands to do more of that sort of activity or at least try and find ways to work with creators or find user-generated content and and maximize the you know and how they use it
0: yeah and, and i guess one of the perceptions i have from the last few months especially is that maybe this is going a bit strong but the, the organic side of social media for brands i'm talking about here is dying away very fast because like you said you've got the the creator side you've got the sponsored content side and the bit that sits in the middle yes there are some brands that you like know, you duolingo so you can do it and do it brilliantly but for the vast majority that pure organic social media thing without any sponsorship behind it doesn't seem to do that well anymore
1: i think that Organic reach isn't impossible to get. I think it's it's a case of you have to work harder than ever to get it. And yeah. for some yeah. brands, smaller brands, medium sized brands, you know that can be trickier to achieve. When you've got you know quite a large budgets and you know time to uh, you know become you know, use your creativity, come up with ideas, do the research, and you know dig into your insights to see what your what audience is interested in, what others are doing. You've got more chance. You're increasing your odds of being able to find. The elusive organic reach. I don't think necessarily that it's impossible. I think you know some of the smallest, tiniest brands are, are, have been able to kind of crack the, um, the content code for their particular audience and then find ways to consistently achieve it. And you just have to pick the, the platforms which where the odds are higher. I still think TikTok has a slightly greater opportunity than maybe most to, to give you some organic reach. And um, there's still some growth to go in that platform although it has platted out quite a lot. Yeah, Clearly yeah. threads at the moment is the one to be on in terms of that but there is no advertising features and there won't be some time on threads but mm. that's going to be the the hot one to play around with at the moment but for some of the other platforms it really requires just really deep understanding of what your audience responds to and figuring out what content is gonna you know is gonna click and gonna pop um so yeah i don't think organic reach is dead i just think it's it's harder and more elusive than, than it ever was
0: yes yes you mentioned threads there now, this is brand new, obviously. We're, we're recording this only a week after it's, it's you know, made its debut. Mm. Massive buzz around it, tens of millions of users. My view on it is that unless they innovate in it very, very fast, it ain't going anywhere. And, and the reason I say that is I've been saying this to people. What Threads is to me is not Twitter. So all they've done is literally rip off Twitter, stripped out most of the functionality, shove it in an app. It feels to me like they've launched it far too quickly to try and you know jump on the hype train around what's happening with Twitter. Do you have a different view on that? Do you think it's it's potentially got legs? I know this is impossible to answer, but...
1: Mm. Um. I do think it has. Um. I think that you're right to say that it's clearly a a complete rip off of Twitter, and that's been you know they've not been shy about saying in not so many words that that's kind of what they've done. They've spotted um an opportunity to find a way to make a, a Twitter like product that can appeal to a, a larger audience. And you know if you look back in the history of social media, um, Mark Zuckerberg has been on record several times saying that he felt that. That Twitter had failed to capitalize on on what they had kind of built and leverage it to the max, and that it could be done better. Yeah. And and clearly now is his time to try and show to people that he can do it better. Um, I think that you know today's news is that they've just topped a hundred million signups, um, yeah. which is going to be the fastest growing app launch ever beating chat GPT. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that they've also said in the last few days that they're not trying or they're not going to encourage news and political content to, to be a new, find a new home on threads, they accept mm. that it will become partly like that. But they're not that isn't their goal. And their goal is also not to kill Twitter, which is what makes for a lovely headline, and everyone <laughs> including me, like, you know, shares some of this material but it's that isn't the goal i think what their goal is to create something that feels very twitter like which clearly there is a certain type of social media user likes about that and there's a there's a function and a feature of twitter that that in terms of breaking news and real time social that most other platforms can and don't yeah. you know serve yeah. but they need to in order to make it successful they need to find a way to make um, a Twitter-like product that appeals to the sorts of people that have not previously used Twitter or yeah. wouldn't normally use Twitter, and so it wouldn't make sense for them to try simply just to recreate it because they. It seems to be that only two to three hundred million people are as ever been interested in it, so yeah. they have to do something better. And so what we're going to see them try and do is take the bits of, of Twitter that work and then build. Out from there, uh, I think that given the amount of upset there is with Twitter, that, that it's not surprising to me that they've got as many users as they have. Especially as they've connected to Instagram with its two plus billion users. Yeah, it was yeah. always going to get a lot of people in there very quickly. Yeah. The problem for them is getting 100 million people in five days. Is um, how do you nurture and create a sense of community and mm-hmm. uh, and, con- and connectedness and a sort of uh, build that sort of sense of community when suddenly there's from zero to hundred in, in no time at all and so in some ways it's an asset and it's a you know success story for them to get so so far so quickly but also it could be very difficult for them to kind of get them get traction with that um, but I do think they would they will get there um, I don't think people will I, I get a sense in the first week and it's only a first week that people will use Twitter and uh, threads simultaneously for for some time and yeah, maybe pro- indefinitely because i don't i don't get the impression it's going to be a place where like for me i share lots of news on twitter all of the time and that's kind of my default place i think i would probably feel a bit strange trying to recreate that in threads it feels far more laid back it feels far more more aligned to something like an instagram or a tiktok in terms of mm. the the tone and the vibe than it does of twitter but it, that could change so that's where we are with it. I think that they're going to have success with it. And I think in terms of will it hurt Twitter, I think it, 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 it will have it will definitely hurt Twitter because the sorts of things you can do on there, you can achieve on Twitter as well. So people are going to only have a finite amount of time to spend on platforms. And I think the proportion of time they spend on Twitter will be consumed by threads instead. So I think that that, that will hurt. But how much it will hurt is hard to tell at this stage.
0: It is. Um it's an interesting saying about hurting Twitter. See, to my mind, the only thing that can hurt Twitter is Twitter. And, I mean, the way it's – it does my head in how it's how it's gone the last six, nine months um, because, for me personally, Twitter was always my go-to network. It's where – you know, when, when I set up as a consultant nine years ago, most of my business was coming through Twitter, and I'd, I'd been on it for 15 years or whatever. Now – I hardly use it. I have to admit, I, I don't log in. I feel uncomfortable when I do log into it. I don't know how many other people are feeling like this, but it it seems to me that it's a lot. Whether, like you say, people would switch is 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 a different matter. I think because because you've built that that environment on Twitter that you can't therefore just port over to another platform. It doesn't work like that.
1: No, I don't. I don't think it's going to be e- very easy to make a direct one-to-one, you know, equivalent. Um, and I don't necessarily get the impression that that's what they've tried to do. They've just tried to give the the core functions and features mm. of the platform and a, a look and feel that is familiar to people who are on Twitter, because that's the largest group of people that are. Uh, an obvious target to get across to a platform that's going to be very similar in many ways. Um, but I think that you're right, you know, Elon Musk is going to be the one that ultimately and has started the process of, of killing his own product. Yes. I don't think it will end up <laughs> killing it completely. I just think that what will happen with Twitter is that it will dip in terms of engagement it will dip in terms of usage generally i think that the sorts of people that you'd normally find there that maybe you you did enjoy seeing their tweets and um, and reading what they had to say will be spending time elsewhere and which could possibly be threads and that that kind of user group and that kind of those conversations will increasingly be replaced by the conversations by the sorts of accounts that are aligned to elon musk's sort of viewpoints and very right-wing stuff it will be content that is more controversial and edgy to maybe the mainstream and i think that that's is not going to be a positive thing for the platform and that's going to only make it trickier for its new ceo to kind of build upon to get advertisers and the the real problems are going to come for or we may see real problems for twitter is when an ad platform is switched on on threads then that will be the true test because if people have a choice between a platform that's got how many millions of you know potentially 200 million by that point who knows on Threads and then you've got Twitter which has got slightly more or the same and yeah. you've got Elon Musk and all the brand unsafe stuff and Threads which has got some of the community standards and a bit more you know the capability to moderate stuff brands will have a clear choice to make and it's will they still use both and advertise on both or will they spend increasingly more on Threads if it's a choice between the two and yeah. if they choose Threads that's that's going to be a problem for Elon Musk
0: do you think there is a problem around threads but i think it goes further than that um around meta's properties with trust because and this is going back a few years admittedly massive problems around trust around facebook specifically and then instagram as well because of mental health impact and you know do you think that's kind of died away or do you, do you think there's still nervousness around that
1: I think for a small number of users, a a, a small percentage of the users, smaller than people realize, that will be enough of an issue to put them off ever using threads or to be extremely skeptical and resistant and vocal about their resistance to using it because of the reasons you just outlined. I think that it will be... More likely to see lots of headlines about it, and people saying, "Yeah, but Meta can't be trusted, and all the data it consumes of your thing, and you, and look at all of this Cambridge Analytic, and people yeah. will talk all of that." And I've I've said in interviews all week the same thing, which is, well, that we know all of this, we know all yeah. this information. We also know that TikTok and Snapchat and all of the other platforms equally have not been exactly squeaky clean, and also use similar amounts of and types of data on their of, of you to for you to be able to use the platform. But we're all still using all the the people are using them in, 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 in their millions. And so if the people are still doing that, knowing that information already, what's different here with Threads? Threads is... Just the same, it's Meta. People know about Meta. Nothing news come out about Meta, um, uh, but yet they're still using Instagram, WhatsApp, and Facebook. So on that basis, I don't think it actually changes the game a, a great deal. What it might do is it might send an additional alarm bell ringing at uh, regulators, saying there's another platform that Meta is involved in that's going to yeah. be could be multi multi billion user platform, and that might give them additional reasons to kind of, you know, look deeper into, into Meta's activities. But as to whether that the average user is going to look at threads and go, uh, I'm not going to use it because it's a Meta product and they were not trustworthy. I think that that, that the number of people that will think like that will be a lot smaller than, than we imagine. And, and people, you know, there's a lot of things in life that people sort of like to say they've got principles and morals about because (laughs) aren't they awful for doing that? And they're terrible. I'm I'm never going to, but we end up using their products again, or they they kind of conveniently forget because it suits them. So I think it's one of those on this occasion.
0: Yeah, I think, I think you're probably right. It it just happens that I fall into that tiny little proportion of who are extremely skeptical, Um,
1: Mm. but you know,
0: that that's my own view. And Mm. just the way it is, I think.
1: There. i think it, i think there are good reasons to be skeptical i think my my, my greater concern for me is that you know I don't, I don't like the fact that these platforms use so much of my data and all of that sort of stuff but it, ultimately it's a free product and that free mm. product for me delivers enough value for me to make the transaction balance up in my head the yeah. greater concern for me with meta is them doing what they're very famous for as well, which is pivoting. And we all for those who've worked long enough in social media will know that Meta, you know, 2015, 2016, were telling everybody, or maybe a bit earlier than that, to you know pivot to video, everything's video, video, video. And all yep. these news publishers, and I was working for a news organization at the time, pivoted to video, and then many Uh, news organizations went under because they invested so heavily in that and then Meta pulled the kind of plug on that for a while and switched that out. So my concern would be as a creator or somebody who is using it in a professional capacity, what if I spend all that time doing that and then they change it or it dies off and it's not there anymore? The only... Sort of saving grace, or or kind of thing that maybe protects my sort of concerns. There is uh, is the fact that they've talked about decentralized platforms and their the ability to port out your audience. So if they were to one day sort of decide to kill it off or change it to something that you didn't want it to be or weren't happy on it, in theory, once it's set up, you could take that audience and put it somewhere else as we mm. move to this Fediverse type world. So you know that that would be more for me a greater concern.
0: Yeah. Okay. Has your advice changed over the last year or so in terms of when you're talking to a company in terms of and uh, we're talking broad broad strokes here but where they should be looking for social media a, a social media presence and what they should be doing on that
1: um maybe a little only in the sense that we've seen these shifts towards you know, Private social, which we talked about earlier, we've seen um, sort, of, sort of what platforms are sort of falling away, and which ones are kind of coming to the fore uh, a bit more, and we are aware of this growth in creators and influencers and user generated content um, and then also we something we haven't talked about is, is you know this generative ai shift as well so yeah. you kind of th- those amongst many other sort of shifts and changes you know do kind of mix the pot a little bit but it, it, it's very hard when i'm sort of and i'm asked the question by anybody and um, you know which platforms well it really just does t- depend on who you are what you're about and what is it you're yeah. trying to achieve but it, it, if we're talking broad stroke stuff yeah you know i think that you know TikTok for me and youtube and and meta are, you know are core platforms that for most brands there's there's something to be gained from being on them regardless of what your business is maybe if you're slightly more b2b it's still traditionally sensible to think about linkedin first and maybe twitter yeah. um, if you're something that's far more. uh, You know, consumer product, uh, uh, services, entertainment, sports, fashion—all those things. Again, it's going to be a Instagram or a TikTok kind of led strategy. So, yeah, to some degree, it has, but I don't think there's. there's, I think the the biggest shift is is Twitter, which we've talked about in terms of from a brand safety point of view. There's clearly alarm bells ringing. Reasons why you might want to shift away, or at least. Kind of reconsider how much of your budget, but for most brands, we should say that it's not a huge amount of their total spend. I think you know, for the most major global brands, it's like less than ten, less than five percent of what they spend is on is on Twitter anyway. Um, in terms of other things, I think LinkedIn is probably the one where I found myself talking it up more than than other um platforms than I ever have. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I think um, there's various reasons for that. You know, partly because they've they've also finally got got to up to speed with the importance of creators, and they've also re- revamped their feed. Their feed is far more useful than it ever was. It, it, you could argue that it's kind of a bit more like the feed you might have seen previously on on a facebook or on on uh, on many other platforms it's it's kind of got a bit of news it's got a bit of stuff to do with the brands and companies you like you're interested in but it increasingly is more about individual creators and freelancers yeah um, but the content quality has gone up and the relevancy of what you get coming into your feed has grown and then the features they've started to bolt on which help Brands um, and creators and work is is improved immensely. So for me, I think LinkedIn is probably the one where I, I've seen the greatest impact of their changes, and therefore has led to me to talk about it more to clients.
0: Yeah, I, I would agree with you. I, I've I've been doing quite a lot of work with LinkedIn with different clients this year, actually. Same reason, um, but a, a lot of the advice I'm giving, well, it, it depends on the client, but is around individuals getting involved in that platform because, again, going back to what I said earlier, the organic visibility of posts in LinkedIn is very small if you look at the the um, percentage of posts that appear in the, in the news feed that aren't sponsored. Like I've done training in the last couple of weeks with, with a finance company, an investment company, and their C-suite is all on this? You know, we we talked through it. We talked why you you need to be on it as a person as opposed to a company, and they're right behind it. Got on board and and they just run with it. Others I've talked to are very hesitant about it because it's almost putting the onus on an individual as opposed to why can't we just have our company page? So it's interesting the different reactions you get. I think when you when you talk about that, is that something you've
1: seen at all or? Yeah, I think so. That um, they they have to get um, individuals uh, more involved in their social, particularly with LinkedIn, in terms of like stuff that they've, they've actually added features that uh, you know make that more viable and more possible in terms of you, you know staff uh, endorsement of of the, you know, the organizations they work for, in terms of employee ad, uh, advocates of the, of the organization and actually for not just in LinkedIn, but across, um, social brands, particularly TikTok, it, it, it comes to mind, having a social team member that is actually the face of the organization or a senior person in the organization. It's seen more visibly across their social as, yeah. you know, is, 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 occurring more and more, but that, you know, that can bring its, its own challenges. Um, and, you know, if not every member of staff wants to be, you know, blasted out on social or, you know, has any experience and knowledge of how to use social so there's that for many organizations there's been an exercise of of trying to re-educate and upskill um people beyond marketing and comms and social to be able to be be, you know better advocates for the organization and then for the social teams comms teams marketing teams to be able to leverage that in a better way but yeah you know this shift away from just having a faceless brand uh, having a kind of just a corporate presence um, and st- you know sticking with this kind of tone of voice which just feels really outdated and uh, inappropriate for most platforms is is, is really di- massively dipped away uh, in the last couple of years thank goodness um, and yeah. I but I still have clients particularly and unsurprisingly it's uh, governments and public sector organizations all organizations that are non, not traditionally very active on social, so they're, they're f- further back in the learning curve, who it's you know trying to convince them that you can relax your tone of voice. You don't need to be so serious if you make a mistake on TikTok and it kind of doesn't work out, or if people criticize it, unless you're really controversial, which you know doesn't, most brand people are, are scared of trying to be new, so they won't be controversial, so you don't need to worry about that. The <laughs> likelihood of the risk of it kind of bringing the company down and getting cancelled is, is extremely low. Uh, but it's quite surprising how hard it can be to convince some some individual social teams. And, and actually, in fairness, it's not normally the social team. The social teams I've worked with typically are like, we know all this and it's frustrating that we have to we have to employ someone like you to come in tell our senior management team what it is we've been telling them for years and then because someone like you told them then they'll do it but that (laughs) i don't know if people realize but that's actually quite a, a chunk of work that i get in and it's funny because like for me it's quite an easy piece of work and it's actually quite a fun one because you get to work with social teams who are kind of desperate to kind of you know let them at it let them you know let the dogs loose and get mm. them get onto it and then they yep. just need someone to kind of be that catalyst of change and uh, and i had a, a large well-known charity in the u.s that i worked with that had that kind of dilemma i've also worked with some very big government agencies and departments internationally and in the uk that have had that challenge and then you have those conversations, you give them the examples of others that have gone through that period of change and then they suddenly get it. And then a year later you look and then they're, they're fully in, invested. They're dropping a meme, yeah, dropping a meme yeah. here and there and, and then away they go. So yeah, that that, that can be challenging.
0: Yeah, I, it, it's interesting because that's the sort of briefs I'm getting more and more as well, Funny enough. Yeah. So it's obviously something seeping through there. Um, you mentioned AI, generative AI what are your views on how this might or might not impact social media over the next couple of years because obviously you've got the content side and people writing content using chat gpt or whatever you've got the 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 image side of it you know people can produce images or will be able to very easily i mean where do you think this is going
1: I think the initial um, period we're going through right now is 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 a learning. It's a learning stage. Uh, everyone's trying to fathom um, what, how much of an impact will it have? What what what's it, what's it going to do about to my job? If you work in social media, um, what, uh, what what work is it going to take away? What work is it going to add? And we we don't fully know it, if we're completely honest. But I think what my sense is that um, there'll be a long time this year where there'll be a lot of crap content that small to medium sized (laughs) businesses will throw out once they have the features enable them to do it easily using chat gpt or tools like it fills me full of dread to know that linkedin is imminently rolling out an ai assistant feature that will enable Mm -hmm. anyone to auto generate copy to um, create a new linkedin post and so there'll be a lot of people that will go great i can just create these you know somewhat Corporate sounding, not corporate sounding, but sort of meaningless, very generic, generic yeah. uh, you know, <laughs> AI generated pieces of text that will sound like I'm really clever and opinionated and know what I'm talking about. You know, I can see that that seeing a lot more of that, and LinkedIn doesn't need anymore. That like, there's people that do that without the help of AI, and we we don't need any more. So, and that I think we'll see a lot more of that, and then people will realize that doesn't really fly, and actually. Over time, we'll see very quickly, I think, that the um, the generative AI stuff will get increasingly more sophisticated so that it won't feel so generic and, and produced by a, an AI. I think, in terms of individuals' jobs, I, again, I don't think it's a case of it taking people's jobs. It's more a case of it's going to take away the bits that people don't want to do or could quite happily not do and free them up to do the stuff that they do sort of want to do. So if you've got uh, analytics as a social media manager and you kind of spend ages doing a lot of copying and pasting and and working out kind of the individual equations and writing formula and tables and and then figuring out what that actually means lots of that activity will soon be so quickly done by the an AI within built into Excel or, or Microsoft or whatever to save mm. you the time of doing it. And the same like for me, I write a newsletter and for the last yeah. three years I've had to scramble every Friday to think of an image to stick in my newsletter as the head, you know, the main image. And I've either yeah. had to be sneaky and use one that's kind of been I've used many times before or tried to find one that I can, you know, pay a low price for when it's pretty stock and it's not very good. Whereas now it's like click, click, click and then it's like this amazing generative art a digital art piece that makes yep. you, know, ju- you know increases clicks is great, and so it will give a lot of a lot of us these um, these superpowers, and um, that we kind of really want to save us a lot of time. And the same for small small to medium sized businesses, the companies that t- don't necessarily have the capacity all the time, or the skill set, or the staff resources to produce certain types of content will now find that far cheaper, far quicker to do. In terms of like social as a whole and AI, I think yeah, you know we will we're already starting to see how it's changing our algorithms and the feeds that we're, we're seeing, you know, increasingly better feeds of, uh, suggested content. I think a, a year ago, people were just up in arms about Instagram suggesting, you know, putting in recommended content because there was either too much of it or it was too much crap. It wasn't very accurate. Yeah, and yeah. TikTok had, you know, stolen a march with their capability of being able to do that better, but that, that will quite quickly, sort of fall away and people will be less bothered by recommended content once the content is actually stuff they keep on clicking on because then they'll realize actually this is quite good. So we'll we'll see that shift um, absolutely. Um, but beyond that, it, it, the horizon's a bit murky. It's hard to tell what, what the next stage will be. I think um, it, the generative AI stuff will just increase capacity across all the platforms. I think all of them have got some feature or another. I think what we will see is improved bots for a, I, think, I can't remember how many years we've been talking as in social media about customer service delivered by chatbots yeah and, and yeah. the time and it, only, it was only a couple of years ago that you had to for, if you had an organisation that wanted to use a chatbot you had to kind of almost pre-program it with all of the potential sort of decision tree answers of what a customer might ask yeah, and what, yeah. what very generic answer you would give them and it was you know there wasn't any AI in it whereas now it's great you know, natural language they can almost ask an infant number of things you can plug it and your the chatbot into whatever databases or or information you want and then, and it feels very real and also you can give it a personality that feels aligned with your with your company you know one of the one of the best ai products i've been using at the moment is jasper ai which you know has brand voice it can basically be trained uh, this is the or for anyone but on for me particularly yeah. i've told it to read every single one of my newsletters and, uh-huh. all, and, and know, know where I am on different social platforms, and then identify my tone of voice, and it tells me what it thinks my tone of voice is. And now when yeah. I say, can you generate a reply to this email, or can you generate an intro to such and such, if I wanted it to, it can really quickly very with that 80 to 90% accuracy, recreate the way and yep. the style that I talk. So, you know, that stuff is is great. Um, but yeah, it's, it's gonna get better um, over time.
0: Do you find yourself using AI? a fair bit probably less than i thought
1: i I think uh, partly because i'm um i'm i just get on and do things and the time i think of like oh i could have got the generative ai to do that i forget to do it and also i kind of find like i still don't think it's hundred percent is good you know me so like when i'm doing like a response to an email at the time i've gone click in and told the ai what i wanted to do then it produces it in a, you know a couple of seconds and then i look at it and go oh, i'll have to change that line i'll have to tweak that i'll just i might as well just write it myself so it's still not good enough in that sense for me but there are probably many instances across my working week where i if i was you know had it top of mind that I could have gotten something done by using AI, I would do. Certainly use it, I think the biggest use for me is I share a lot of news and I read a lot about social media all day long, every day. And so there's certain times when there's really long articles and I use an AI to say like, can you just bullet point what the key points here are and summarize it for me and give me some similar related articles that might be a different counterpoint to this. Um, so I think for me, that's, that's certainly one way I use it, but I think that everyone uses it slightly differently.
0: Yeah, yeah. All, all all this stuff we talked about today <laughs> I'm coming around to the this 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 is my cynical negative mind at work seeing feeds full of recommended content and sponsored content you know in in a couple of years' time. so you go onto Instagram or it doesn't matter anywhere and you just have a feed full of creator stuff, sponsored stuff, recommended stuff, nothing from the people, very little from the people you actually want to see anything from. I think it's quite sad, but, but like I said, it's, it's possibly because I've been working in this area for so long, and I'm just a bit worn down by it.
1: I don't know. Maybe I think, realistically, though, I think the the content that will survive and the the brands that will sort of stay top of top of the platforms and, and constant in your feeds are the ones that are creating the content that is most engaging and interesting. And if people detect or sense that it is, you know. Fake in some way, or it's produced by an AI, or is just you know not particularly good content, then it's not going to be engaged with, and, and the algorithms will hopefully do their job that you won't see it. And your behavior by you know, using these uh, platforms, which will get ever more sophisticated in understanding what it is that you're going to say, this is puff, this is rubbish, I'm not going to read it, I'm not going to click on it, will mean that your feed doesn't have those things if it's do- if the if the algorithm's doing its job. So I think that. Yeah there's a every chance that there will be increased amounts of spam and crap content and and kind of you know AI produced and um, puff pieces but I think that you will see less of it because the algorithms are more sophisticated enough to understand what it is you you like. So I think it's the yin and the yang kind of, one way it's kind of the AI is producing lots of crap and maybe more people are using AI to produce crap. And then the similar algorithms are in these platforms are kind of helping you make sure (laughs) that you don't see it. So it's kind of how it balances out at the end of it, we will soon see, but hopefully in a net positive performance.
0: You can subscribe to Digital Download on iTunes, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like the show, please do leave a review as this helps others discover the podcast. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next time.